Hey there, beautiful souls. I'm Colleen Lockoff. And I'm Meredith Lockoff. And welcome to Spiritual Sisters with Sass, the podcast where two sisters with a passion for spirituality and a touch of sass come together to explore the exciting world of self-improvement. That's right, Colleen. We embarked on this incredible journey together, diving into different self-improvement techniques, yoga practices, and a whole array of life experiences. Yeah, and through it all, we've managed to create lives that are abundant, happy and constantly evolving. It's been a wild ride, hasn't it, Meredy? You bet, sis. We've got two very different perspectives on life, but that's what makes this podcast so special. I'm all about diving in head first into life's adventures and embracing every challenge with a bit of sass. Well, Colleen here, she's got her own unique approach. Yep, that's me. And I'm all about the yoga, mindfulness, and finding my zen. And together we make the perfect balance. So whether you're looking for some wisdom, a few laughs, or just some heartfelt stories, you're in the right place. We're here to share our personal experiences and insights with you, all while exploring the wild and diverse world of self-improvement. Grab your headphones and get ready for a fantastic journey with us. Spiritual Sisters with Sass is here to uplift, inspire, and keep it real. Thanks for tuning in, lovely listeners. Let's dive in spirit and sass. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Spiritual Sisters with Sass. Today, we have decided to talk to you guys about overcoming challenges and building resistance or resilience, I guess, not resistance. <laughs> resilience. Oh, wait, let me put us on to side by side view. There we go. Great. Yes. Well, you know, when we were talking about what to do next and this topic came up, I really thought about like the story that we have, each of us, all the stories I've ever heard anybody say um, about these hard times that we can move through and the resilience that we do build from these times. I've, I'm taken back to a YouTube video. Uh, I call it the Lo lobster rabbi video. Have you ever seen it? Yes, you showed yeah. it to me. And it's this cute little guy with, um, he's a rabbi, and he gives talks on this stuff. And you can go on his YouTube channel and everything. And he says that he's sitting in, I think, the dentist office, and he finds, like, an article on how do lobsters grow. And he says, like, well, who cares? But he reads it anyways. And as he's reading it, he sees that lobsters, they're little soft, mushy creatures inside of a hard shell. And there comes a time as the lobster grows that it can no longer be in this hard, crunchy cell shell. So what it does is it will find a place to hide, kind of like under a rock or something. And there's this time of growth and discomfort while it sheds its shell. And then it has to build a new one. 
And so it stays very vulnerable under the rock until it has a shell and then it'll come back out. So he then says, you know, it's in these times of stress that, um, and discomfort that we will grow a new shell, which does require vulnerability, uh, sensitivity. Um, but it's also like he says, you know, if lobsters had doctors, they would go to the doctor, the doctor would give a Vicodin or some Ativan <laughs> and then like, that'd be great. And then the lobsters wouldn't grow. Yep. Nor would their shells. So I think of any time that I've gone through, like, uh, we go through our times and then there's like an after time, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. I believe that that really is where the resilience is, it comes through because the initial thing, whatever it may be. So I'm thinking about, um, for me, when I kind of went through a massive life transition in, yeah. I, I think it was really related to spiritual awakening. But I had taken my teacher training, yet I had just signed up to go to med school. And I had this awakening, like, med school is not the answer. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Um, yoga is. And, like, now you're going to have a big debt from this, you know. And you were going to make 20 grand a month as a doctor. Um, and now you're going into a profession where a majority of people bring in, like, $1,000 a week. Working, like, 20-plus hours. Plus all the other that comes with it anyway. So I just like, I, I didn't have that mentality. There was no way this is how I'm going to make money. And, and yet the awakening happened at the same time. So then it was like, kids moved out. I, I shifted careers. I quit med school. I ended an 11 year relationship. Like every, when it all starts to fall apart, <sighs> literally, cause that's what happened it all started to fall, feel like it was falling apart. Yeah. But it takes you back to that statement when it all fall, falls apart, it's actually all coming together. Falling together. Tell me exactly. that's not where you ended up when you look back at it now. Yeah. <laughs> right? Totally. And that's your like, that's your survival mode, right? That's the space or well, that was my survival mode. That was the space where I had to survive to get through all of that because it was so much. Um, and so I just did what I had to do. And then I think it's the space after that, because then, you know, I sold my house, sold everything I owned and went to Peru. <laughs> like that was my plan. Peru, Costa Rica. I don't know what's happening after that. Kids will meet me here. I'm going to go check out this festival. I'm going to go do some, you know, ayahuasca in Peru. And what I thought was, this is all going to make me better. And what did happen was it actually, like, while it was magical and beautiful, it was my rock bottom. Awful. It is awful. But it's also, I feel like for me, when I'm going through the biggest challenges of my life, if I can look at that and go, okay, this is happening for me, for me, to learn something, then the benefit, then I'm going to reap so many benefits. Like, Every challenge is a place to grow. So if it feels icky or if it feels challenging, I'm about to become a better version of myself. I'm about to hit my next level. So yeah, this fucking sucks, but guess what's going to happen next? Right. And you know, in the spiritual awakening, it was like, it just was more and more and more letting go. You know, I, I did find like, I had a partner at the time I met on this trip. 
And, you know, it, it wasn't smooth. It was very bumpy, very rocky. That's where I realized, like, I'm, I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. Um, like, I kind of need to practice what I preach, really. And the further and further I went kind of down into the hole, actually, the stronger and stronger my foundation was getting. Because when I had nothing else to let go of, it was very magical. I remember going to the beach and I sat at the beach and I was back in Costa Rica. So I had done, done a trip, you know, did, did Peru and then did Costa Rica. And then I went to Chicago. Then I went to California. Then I came home. Then we went to California. Like there was a whole back and forth. And then I thought I was going to have to go back to nursing because financially I was in some trouble yet. Well, I thought I was, but I wasn't, I was making all my payments. Like super in debt but able to keep my head above water and that was it it was like just when I was about to be like well you know there's nothing else I could do but go bankrupt and by then I was just like okay with it because I had nothing so I if if that's where I got but I like also didn't want to go there so I was pretty on time with my payments and I started to see how just about the time like one time I went I was coming home and I think it was for summer's graduation no Siri's birthday so my daughter's birthday and um I had no money my ex-partner had bought me a ticket home and I think it was like a cheap $250 ticket so I went from Sacramento to Seattle and then Seattle to Victoria and in Seattle they said they're selling flights now I'd heard this before but I never cared because I was never going to sell my flight but here I was, I had no money. You remember this? Yep. And they said, we're selling flights or buying flights for 500 bucks. And this was just half the flight. And I'm like, I didn't even think of it. But then they said a thousand US dollars. And I called some, my oldest daughter and said, listen, dude, like I kind of need the money. And all I have to do is wait another 12 hours and then they'll fly me on the next flight and they'll, I'll get a thousand dollars. And then they, they did it again. So 1500 us dollars. And I was coming home and I needed a car. And my friend had said, you could get the car for the impound fees. Her mom had passed away. And she said, if you get it out of impound, it's all yours. And she signed the transfer papers and everything. So that was like, Oh, that's how I'm going to pay for the car. But then my credit card <laughs> let me over limit like $2,000. So now the car was on credit, which had been kind of the way I was surviving, paying the bills. But like, and I still had this 1500 US dollars so I could insure it. Remember I like thought I like sent you the money because it was on like an online yep. visa and then you gave it to me in cash and like whatever. And then I could buy insurance and then I lived and. Like these kind of things just happened. And when I had nothing, like there was just nothing. I had no job that I had to be at. Anytime I did need the money, it would arrive. It didn't arrive the way I wanted it to, like 30000 extra dollars. <laughs> but it was yep. also like, when it was there was nothing else to let go of, I was taken care of completely. Yep. I didn't go back to nursing. When and you then again, released and, and let yourself go and stopped fighting and went with the flow of the universe, it provided for you. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I thought I'd have to go back to nursing, I was back in Costa Rica, just teaching an anatomy training, which also that like fell in my lap so perfectly. Like everything was 
there was nothing I was fighting. So I could see how everything that was happening was happening for me. There was no joke. There was no, like my blinders were kind of lifted and I could see how everything was just as it was supposed to be. Oops. And I see that. how well this was going to work for us so she oh she's back there we go I was just telling everyone look at the great background that you have because you're <laughs> yeah. yeah so I didn't know like I could just see how everything literally was happening for me and how I really am co-creating and co in like in co what is it co-signing with the universe like I just let go and then it was like well guess what you're not going back to nursing but even if I did go back to nursing, I already had a job in my old hospital, actually with a travel nurse company for double the money, and I didn't have to pay for any of my expenses. So if I did go to nursing, I was good. But literally, it was like, someone said to me, don't go back to nursing. Here's a couple me. schools to work for. Well, not just you, oh. but who hooked me up like here in Costa Rica. She was like, don't. I and kept so saying, don't go back from nursing. And I feel like that was when you had the Deepak Chopra moment of, wow, when other people in their biggest trauma is when I'm thriving the most. And you were like, I don't want to go back. And I was like, then don't. Yeah. Because for me, I've, I've, I've been doing the law of attraction work since 2005 when the secret came out. And so when the secret came out and I watched the video, I was like, I'm going to try this. And then I feel like it was shortly after that, that e squared the book came out so if you guys are interested in challenging to see if the law of attraction is real get the books e squared and e cubed because they literally give you chapters on challenges to do to see how the universe is always working in your favor and how the law of attraction works and i feel like it was in those moments that i was like no don't don't because you are so out of alignment with what you want and if you're out of alignment with what you want you're not going to get what you actually want you go back to doing all the things that you were doing before. And that was not what you wanted to do. And not just that, but it's a face, your face. Every time we talked about you going back to nursing, your face would just be yeah. like, I was burnt out. Mm -hmm. I was burnt out. Yeah. <sighs> but in those challenges is when, when we finally let go of the fight, I feel when I finally let go of the fight to, for everything but that being said also still fighting for what you want so it's no longer a fight for what you want and more of a what's the word I'm looking for more of like a you get on like getting on an inner tube and floating down the river instead of trying to swim upstream and try and get to where you're going let the universe take you where you need to go my friend Rochelle always says it's not uh I don't want it to be a push I want it to be a pull She'll say that's I want a push, it, I want not a pull. Yeah, I want to attract it. I want it to come into my life, not me go searching for it. Right, right. And that, that so when I went to teach and I thought I was going to be leaving, going back to nursing, I kind of sat at the ocean. And I remember closing my eyes and just being like, okay. Like, because everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people at the point, we're talking about Costa Rica being such a healing place and like helping you on your path. So I'm like, okay, here I am. Like, please. 
helped me. And I remember the thought came across my mind, like, let go. And so I was like, okay, let go. And I remember there was a moment of like, no, dude, I've let go of everything. I don't have a home. <laughs> like I'm a nomad. I don't have, like, I, I no, I've let go. And I remember a feeling inside of like, good for you, girl, like actually standing up for yourself. So then the next one, the next word was release. And I'm like, okay, release. And then I was like, no, that's exactly the same as let go, which the feeling in me was like, not quite. And then it said surrender. And I was like, fuck. So I come back to the, the retreat center and I look up, like literally Google, how do I surrender? And a blog came up that was said that surrender is what happens when there's nothing left to do. It's not an act of doing. And I let go and I could just see the magic happening. Everything just hardest that alone, the surrendering is probably the hardest part, especially when you have like a mindset of this is happening so that I can learn something. So if I move through it faster, (laughs) then, but again, that's doing right. And that was always my attitude is, well, if, if I'm struggling with this and I just hurry up and learn the lesson, but the universe isn't in a hurry, which is how come nothing happens at your pace. It happens at the universe's pace. And, and this is my reminder, you're not in control of the universe, Colin, because if I was, you know, I would make things easier and there'd be a whole lot naked, more naked people. And <laughs> the reality the reality is that like what I would do, like I'm already in charge of it myself and I'm really good at fucking it up. <laughs> not in the yes. bad, not in a bad, like beat up way. I just want to own that now. It's just like the way that I would choose to do things based on my conditioning is the easy way. And that's that I don't, we're just talking about the lobster. I would be a lobster that took Vicodin. Right. And that that's nothing against anybody that does take that. It's literally just like in that, that's the suppression of any anxiety or connection with body, you know? Well, I feel like also every time we're stuck in that place, And we don't like sit in the feeling and we're always trying to rush out of it, right? Like that's what I've been working on this last few months is the universe keeps putting me in positions where I have no control. I have to sit in my discomfort. That means I'm not a drinker. I haven't drank in 13 years. So of course, no drinking. I don't smoke. I haven't done that in 13 years. So no smoking, no smoking of marijuana, which used to be my out because I had pain which I no longer have. So I don't smoke pot anymore. So where is my out? All right. Sitting in it because you free yourself from your pain by feeling. Feeling is healing. And I had a client in yesterday. This actually just kind of brought, it came up for me. I had a client who came in yesterday and she was struggling really hard because she quit smoking and smoking kept her skinny. She is almost 65 years old but she doesn't care that she's 65 years old. She's supposed to be skinny. And so we kind of start talking because she has quit smoking. Now her option was she kept smoking and she was dead. No joke. Her doctor said, you either quit smoking or you're dead within the year. She has too much plaque and an aneurysm in her heart. So you are dead in a year if you keep doing what you're doing. So she came in 
She smoked for 50 plus years. She is not smoking. She's killing it. That being said, all of her feelings are surfacing. So she's trying to eat her feelings. And we have talked about this multiple times. And then she came in and she said, okay, so I've put on 28 pounds. And I was like, okay, let's talk about that. First of all, let's talk about the 28 pounds and the way you just talked about yourself. Because you would never say to me, if I showed up here and I was 28 pounds heavier than I was the last time you saw me or three months ago, which is when we started this process. If I showed up here and I weighed 28 pounds more than when I saw you three months ago, would you ever say the things you're saying to me? Like, wow, you look fat, Meredy. Wow, I had to, you, had, you needed to borrow clothes from, because she had to borrow clothes from her sister. So she's like, wow, I had to borrow clothes from my sister. I just look so terrible and all of these things. And I was like, do you hear how you're talking to yourself? Would you ever say those things to, to me or to your daughter? And she was like, no. And I was like, then why are you talking to yourself like that? And so we dug into it a little bit and her mom still to this day beats her up for it. Her mom said something, she got on the phone and she was talking to her mom and her mom said something along the lines of, um, so you did quit smoking. That's good. So how much weight have you put on instantly? Like instantly she picks up the phone and that's what her mom has to say. And I was like, okay, so now we see where some of your, your shit is coming from. But it's not okay to beat yourself up. You need to be more compassionate. If you're going to be kind to other people, you need to be kind to yourself. It starts with you. And these challenges that she's experiencing right now are to teach her, this is why she's going through it, is because cooking was a big enough challenge. All her feelings started to surface, so she tried to push them down with food. Well, that didn't work because the opposite result is happening, which is that she now wants to become she's been sick before and she was bulimic and now she wants to go back to that where she'll eat and then just go throw up and she's like I can see myself heading down this road and I was like okay but also her thyroid is messed up like severely messed up and they can't do anything about it because if they make her heart beat faster without her having the stress test or having her heart dealt with then she could die so I'm like so basically you have very few options at this point either you keep smoking and you die or you keep doing what you're doing and maybe put on weight, but putting on the weight is temporary so that you can learn to sit in your feelings. So it sounds to me like the universe is really trying to make you sit in your feelings. And so we worked through some of her stuff yesterday. I'm not going to get too into the things, but came down to her childhood and the way that she was spoken to, the way that she was only good enough if she looked a certain way, because that's how her mom was treated by her dad because her mom needed to look a certain way in order for her dad to stay attracted. And he would make it very clear. You're putting on too much weight and I find it disgusting. I'm not having sex with you. I'm not doing this. He would say this in front of his daughters. So these things are like challenges where we need to sit in it. And when she left, she actually said to me, like, I feel significantly better just being able to talk. But what happened while we were talking is she would start to cry. And then she'd be like, you could hear, let it lodge here. That's so she, I was like, right. hey, so Yes. And I said, okay, can we talk for a second? So I'm seeing you get welled up around your chest, your heart, and I see it surface and you start to cry. And then when it gets to your throat, you stop it. You get that lump in your throat and you stop the feeling from coming all the way out. You know that if you let yourself cry, that feeling would actually escape your body. Right. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, you're stopping it here, which is blocking your thyroid. It's blocking your voice. It's blocking you being kind to yourself. There's so many things that are happening between here and here mm -hmm. that you need to let this flow. So during your treatment, 
I said, and this all happened before, of course. And so I said, during your treatment, I encourage you to just cry, stop lodging it in your throat and let it surface, let it come up. It's okay that you're crying. You're letting 65 years of pain surface right now. There's probably going to be a lot of tears over the next little bit. And she actually said to me, well, my son or my husband was making fun of me because we watched um, a movie and it was only a slightly emotional movie and I couldn't stop sobbing. And he was like, it's just a movie. And she was like, it's impacting me in a way you don't understand. And he was like, okay. And he kind of left it at that. But she said she literally couldn't stop sobbing at it. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's because all your feelings are trying to surface and you keep stopping them here. So every mm -hmm. time you feel that like lump in your throat, and this goes for all of you guys, mm -hmm. when you feel that lump in your throat, when you're trying to push your tears back down, don't, because that's making it so it stays in your body. Let it come up cry the feelings because those are feelings that you and your inner child need to cry and then move forward because that is building resilience. That's you growing. These challenges are to show you who you really are. And so some people will hear about like our stories or listen to our podcast and they'll say things to me about like, wow, it was really rough. Hey. And I was like, you know, I wouldn't change any of it because I wouldn't want to necessarily be like the kid who had all the money in the world because I wouldn't necessarily be the successful person that I am today, right? Like all of my challenges have created who I am. Yeah, we're worried about traumatizing our children, but guess what's gonna make them stronger, better people? I read a book called The Seed of the Soul by Gary mm -hmm. Malkin, such a good book. Love it, yeah. I, I followed it with another book called the soul's plan also in our audible ps okay. and um it um it talked about like it, you know so you are like a drop from the ocean of consciousness right God, so I love you this. are like you're you're connected to everyone you are everyone we are all one right if you you think I go to the ocean, I take one drop of ocean, and then I have that drop specifically. And that's like me yeah. right now in this life. Yeah. Um, and then if the ocean also, was all of our consciousness, yeah, and it had a wave, and when it splashes, that one little piece bounces up, you catch that piece. That's what's inside Lynn. But if you were to dump that piece back into the ocean, that piece is still connected to the ocean, whether it's in your hand or in this cup or not. But then try to pull out that same drop of ocean you never will again right so you think about yourself yes. like you're we can box things up with our nervous system like oh i'm this one drop in the ocean and i go back to the ocean and then i come back but you don't come back like you're you're now a part of every everyone if you want to call them people or every soul or back yep. to consciousness and then you come here so myself that part of me based on the body i chose to be in and in the experiences that i signed up for and the way that I handled that was the yes. development of my personality. Yes. So that being said, that also means I can change my personality if I look at patterns. But there's an essence to like me being me still that will always be in all of the bodies that I choose to inhabit, but yes. more dilute. You know, so if I come back again, I'm not going to be this, this experience of consciousness called Kalin, I will never be again. Yes. 
But in my head, if we think about souls, right, that boxes is up to like, okay, Kalin's soul goes out and then waits around to come back into another body. But it doesn't because that soul goes back to the ocean. And so there was this, the piece in the book that I will, I don't think I'll ever let go of because it was such a, like, why do children die? Moment for me, because it basically talks about imagine sitting at a table and when you're here and someone's over here across from you, you could be having the, the counteractive, I guess is the word count, something like that, whatever it is, the, the contrary to that person's experience is the experience that you're having. So if a child were to pass away, that was that soul's purpose. And that soul's purpose now carries that consciousness back to the greater ocean of our, of all of us. And now all of us, have a piece of that experience within us. Yes. Right. So it's the same as like narcissists or murderers or any of the ones we consider bad. Those things are happening so that we all learn from it. Right. Like it's a bigger piece of who we all are. And like Lynn said, there's that piece that when we do come back, there's still going to be a piece of Lynn, but not Lynn because Lynn is only this physical body that she is right now. The previous life, her past lives have been more than just this Lynn. Because I've done a couple of these past life regressions. She's still frozen. We're going to keep talking while she's back. Um, I've done a couple of these past life regressions. And so these, another thing, if you guys ever get a chance, I do offer them, but I have to tell you that the Lynn is amazing at them. So if you ever see her share them or post that she is offering a past life regression, even online, I will tell you, take the opportunity. It is not expensive and it is the coolest experience ever. I got to learn about being in the 1800s and I was um, a First Nations chief. Um, also, I was, I died in the 1950s as, and um, now both of my lives that I went back to, I was men, <laughs> very powerful <laughs> men in both of those lives. Um, but I went back to those and there's so many pieces of both of those lives that I see that play into this life that I have now. Completely different people, completely different, you know, like dilutions of who I am, but pieces of it that still came back with me into this physical body. It's pretty, yeah, I think we got off our track. We did a little bit rabbit hole but it was a good one Sometimes. I liked it <laughs> hopefully everybody else did as well yeah exactly but it really I guess I mean in so many ways we did but we didn't because again totally. it comes back to the challenges we've been through whether in this life or in previous ones that create who we are and build resilience and even though we suffer in this time here and now it has been said that the existence that we are suffering in currently is better than any existence that has ever been, right? And and that hit me when I heard that. I thought about, um, there's a, a Netflix series called Godless, and I really okay. liked it. It's a, it's a good one. It's like a, a, a mining town, and it's only women, and it's the Wild West, Okay. And what happened was all the men went to work and died in a mine. And so it's a, a town of just women and it's the wild west. So it's like early 1900s and it's so harsh 
depicting how it was to live in those days like you could die very easily like someone could just come to your farm and that's it like no wonder like just very eye-opening to the fact that like yeah even at the turn of the last century it was pretty harsh so when we look at the suffering of ethiopians i mean that was always mine i know that maybe that's even like there's more the suffering of uh people you know like without fixed addresses like people that live on the streets or that like we can now more hyper focus on ours and other people's suffering because the a lot of our basic needs are met met yes and we talked about this previously not i don't think on here but yes about you were telling me about um third world countries and how they don't worry about disease because well, they need to survive for yes so tell us about that okay that was so something that plagues uh the first world is autoimmune disorders right like uh lyme disease lupus peanut allergies like there's so many autoimmune disorders which really is like the body actually attacks itself mm -hmm. um and less rates of cancer etc and and chronic ailments caused by stress because of something called the sterile uh, theory the sterile environment theory and what it is is that like back in the day so if we're talking about the wild wild west or we're even talking about before that or we're talking about currently in somewhere like chad africa where when a woman needs to go to the well that's seven miles away um because she'll only get raped because if the man goes then they'll be killed so she needs to do that right she doesn't have time to have a peanut allergy now this isn't a way to look at ourselves in the first world it's it's a nervous system evolution is what's yeah. happened so the the body the nervous system it's for our survival and you know back in the day if you cut yourself open staff could go inside your cut bacteria from the ground tetanus many things were like going to kill you so you had to keep you know your wound clean like lots of people died of infected wounds lots of people died of pneumonia which can be bacterial fungal um, and viral in the lungs like there's a lot that happened and then antibiotics came along so yeah. the body really had to fight to keep people alive back in the day and then now we've kind of taken that work of, around away from it and the nervous system is like oh well but it, it needs to survive so in the case of like rheumatoid arthritis it's like well let's use the white blood cells of the body the fighters to attack the joints <laughs> so it actually yeah. the disease happens within the body attacking itself because it's kind of like looking for something to do yeah and this is the development now of the stress that we're feeling this chronic stress which is responsible for pretty much every disease that we have unless it's genetic congenital something like that other than that it's stress that causes high blood pressure diabetes like all these things it's stress um and it's because we stress but think about this back in the day you stress because you got a cut and you could possibly die in or the next because you walked past a tiger that's going to eat you yes. or like there was real 
problems that you yes. needed to be aware of. I'm not of. saying that we don't have real problems. It's just that we see these problems that actually, they're not actually like life ending. They're just like, you have a shitty job. You don't like your job at all. You fight with everybody at work. You know, you, you got to look good. You work long hours. You've got the kids. You've got marital problem like there's all this shit and they and are not, real issues it's and not, they are not real, real. Issues. it's just like the the nervous system because it's never or very rarely um brought into engagement to actually save your life it's constantly saving your life from the drama of your marriage yeah right which back in the day you don't have time to really fight yeah. with your partner i mean i know they did and don't get me wrong but really like if you have a tiny piece of land and the only money that you have to, you know, like make food is your farm, like your partners, you kind of got to work together. That's when yeah. if the partner goes off and gets drunk every night and all the money gets lost in gambling, well, you know, there are, and you will fight about them. that shit. Yeah. But like a lot yeah. of the time it was like you, I'm getting peed on by cicadas again. You have to <laughs> survive and, and marriage was actually a sign of like, you were more likely to survive if you did kind of partner nowadays yeah. you know marriage is actually like it's more ownership and again like a lot of stress because it's not like we have to team up to survive instead i need to you know every day after you make a freaking sandwich i need to clean up the crumbs so that's what i'm stressing over instead of stressing over the fact that like we're losing our farm or the cows got out or you know like there's yeah, a or there's not enough chickens or <laughs> yeah. how am I going to feed the chickens or any of the real bigger stresses that are true life or death stresses so your body is turning it into a life or death stress even though it's not actually a life or death stress and that is it responds point, to it like one that's the the point of such practices now of ice baths saunas 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 um I, to me i think about yin yoga fitting within this it's like these practices in which it's good for our health but we don't like it like i don't want to go sit in one degree in one degree water i had yep. my daughter and son-in-law here and <laughs> so summer took the ice bath and oh man you knew it was going to be a lot to talk her into it I knew I was going to have to be forceful and direct. I literally like, and I mean, judge away, but I literally, she went to get out and I held her down. I was like, no, you're not getting out. Cause I also know like, it's, it's like, it's a different era too. It's like the, my kids' era is more about like listening to the body, uh, listening to discomfort, like not doing things you don't want to do and all that, but it's almost like slipped too far. Mm -hmm. Because this is part of the sterile environment technique or theory is like, dude, also, this is really good for you. You're not going to sit in die. your discomfort. It's uncomfortable. Shut the fuck up and breathe. Yep. Right. But she's like, I want to get out. Show yourself. Out. She's looking at me and I'm like, no, breathe, inhale. Yep. And, you know, I, I wouldn't do that to a client. That's the other thing. <laughs> like, well, then well, I can't. You know, that doesn't give me permission to do it to my daughter, too. But she brought her arms out and then it was like lower half of the body. But anything in the beginning is worth it because it's still just as uncomfortable. And then she got out and then we did some breath work. Then we and she was so proud of herself for doing it. I always talk to her about like you're you more regret the things you don't do. Wow. 
than the, the things, things that you do, you do right? Oh, percent. I never should have tried that ice bath. I was uncomfortable for three minutes. Like yep. never, right? Maybe if your toe fell off and you'd be like, damn, but also it's a good story. <laughs> I lost my toe in the ice bath. <laughs> Body into that like state of shock so that you take a minute to take a breath and sh calm yourself down. So you're actually in a state of, holy fuck, I could die. That's the point of an ice bath. Because if you were to stay in ice water for too long, you could potentially die. So to slow your breath down, to calm your body down and show you that you're not dying is the whole purpose of it. Show your body, I could die here, but I'm gonna calm myself down and I'm not gonna die. Yes, in times of extreme stress, because I can feel sitting in an ice bath in that moment where you really could die. Yep. Your marriage isn't killing you, you yep. know, but the ice bath could. And then yep. you just calm yourself. That that's building resilience. Big time. That that's why ice baths are amazing. They're so good for your body and for your brain. And for me. I did them most of the summer, like no problem. I was getting to the point. I don't like three minutes is a lot for me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was doing two minutes and I was getting through them. And then I went to um, Dominican and yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was one of those moments where I'm like, it's 24 degrees, but it was pouring rain on us. And we're about to go do a muddy, um, get more wet, more cold. And I was sitting there and it was shivering. Yes, it was 24 degrees, but that's not the point it felt like it was cold. And I sat there and I was shivering. And I thought to myself, if I can sit in ice, ice baths, I can calm myself out of this situation. And Brooke was talking to me and she was shivering and both my kids do ice baths as well. And so I just kind of took a deep breath and I stopped talking to them and I closed my eyes and I really just focused on my breathing. And suddenly I wasn't cold anymore. And I was like, this is why I do it. This is it. And then Brooke was like, mama, it's so cold. I don't want to do this. And I was like, dude, we do ice baths. And she was like, Oh, and I was like, I'm not cold. Do your breathing. And so she like calmed herself down. And then we totally came did the same thing. And we totally warmed ourselves up. And then we had so much fun on our muddy, um, like tour. It was the best thing ever. And it, I don't think if we had hadn't done the ice baths that we would have been able to calm ourselves down and, and enjoyed ourselves because it was chilly that day. And you're driving through giant mud puddles. It's cold because of the wind. Like it was no, it wouldn't have been pleasurable. And a ton of the people that were with us were whining, complaining about how cold it was while we were laughing our guts out and having a blast. So I feel like there's that piece that you get to choose. Right. And that's the whole point of the ice bath is to show yourself that you do get to choose. And I mean, there's like sayings like the pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Optional. Yeah. Right. And and the yeah. other piece is really like there are physiological changes that happen as well as mental changes. Physiologically, your body um, actually starts to become aware of the stress response and then is able to uh, not move into the stress response. So that's mental, but also physiological. Like um, when you move into fight or flight, you know, you pump more sugar into your body so that you can run or fight run. or whatever you yes. need to do. The thing is that, you know, this problem in a marriage can be pumping sugar into your body all the time. And if you're doing something like overeating, 
then you know then this becomes a chronic issue and now the glycogen is becoming more resistance to the to the pancreatic pancreatic insulin right so then your sugars start to actually grow you need diet proper exercise and a lot of sleep right these are key foundational things to mental health and physical health so mm -hmm. you're not sleeping well because you're constantly in fight or flight over your marriage like it's just it adds up and then your immune system now takes a turn and starts to turn against your own body, right? So it's like, oh, great. Okay, now, whereas when you start to ice bath, you're kicking back in that stress response and not stressing. So you're able so to I keep wanna... yourself in parasympathetic, keep the sugars down, keep your heart rate low, keep all of those things. And your immune system will now kick in because the nervous system and the immune system are like this. And now you can fight off infection. That was Wim Hof and all of his students were studied multiple times, injecting E. coli and bacteria right into the vein. And with their breathing, fought it off. It hit, uh, Wim Hof in under one minute. And he never got sick. I want to interrupt or interject because one of the things now we've talked about this before, the fact that Lynn has been yoga obsessed since we were young and she would be like, come do yoga with me. And I'd be like, you know, fuck off. I hated the gym. I hated all exercise of any kind. And she's always loved it. And I want to say my kids must have been like 12 to 15 when I really started doing more yoga. And what I found from yoga, and even my kids will attest to this, after about a year of practicing pretty consistent yoga, I started to notice this thing and I still do it to this day constantly. And I still do practice yoga as well. Not as often as I would like to, which is something I'm going to, I am doing changing. Um, but what happened when I started practicing yoga? So when we go to the gym, we work our bodies to the point where the stress release is high and your body feels like it's in pressure and it starts relieving, releasing cortisol. And then you basically either stop doing the exercise because now you're in that cortisol release, which also cuts your exercise in half. Um, or you push through that, which only makes it release more cortisol. What yoga does is it puts you into this place of discomfort, this pose of ickiness you can say you're in say warrior two where you're in like a lunge and your arms are stretched out and your legs are stretched out and you're like bent down and all your muscles are tense and right as cortisol releases your yoga instructor says and breathe and now you take this deep breath and your whole body goes holy shit and now you suddenly lower your cortisol levels and now you're no longer in a stress response. And now you're in this place where you're not in stress response anymore. And your body is learning and your brain is learning just because I went into stress response. If I take a breath, I can release from that. And so that about a year of doing that consistently in yoga and really, I guess I didn't even necessarily notice what was happening until I started dealing with my kids and some of their teenage things that were quite challenging, like drinking or drugs or any of these things that teenagers do. And literally my kids came home, came home multiple times and would be like, mom, we need to talk. And I wouldn't, I would completely unconsciously go, Oh, okay. What? 
because I was preparing myself and calming, like immediately when they said we need to talk, my stress response would kick in. And then I would take that breath and it would reduce my stress response so that I wasn't going to lash out, scream, yell, fight, argue. I wasn't doing any of the things that my stress response would typically make me do. So yoga changed me. It changed me physically. It changed me physiologically. It changed me mentally. And then when I started talking to my kids about how I had heard this, that Lynn and I had had this conversation and she was like, oh yeah, that's just yoga. And I was like, <laughs> pardon? She's like, that's the point of yoga is to put you in exercise, but also exhaust your brain so you can meditate. But the purpose of it is to get you in a place of stress to then help you learn to release the stress and stay in the stressful position while not releasing the stress cortisol or stress hormone cortisol so that you can be calm. And so I'm telling my kids this and they're like, you know what, mom, every single time we talk to you about something to stress, deep breath and then tell us go. And I was like, oh shit, what an interesting thing that I was completely unconscious about. And so this, you guys, is how come she is so hardcore into yoga and the different teachings. Now, again, the asanas or the, the yoga movements are only one limb of yoga. There are eight limbs of yoga. Um, and this is this piece is one of the reasons I'm even doing my teacher training. Right. It's because of the things you learn about yourself in these courses. I will never be a yoga teacher. That's not my goal here. I don't want to teach people how to do yoga. Teach myself, maybe. Be a little better at it really work on that response of stress i think more you'll resilient. you'll just change your tune because being certified kind of like makes you a teacher um but what you're gonna learn is that yoga is everything so what you're saying is you probably won't teach asana in a studio but the reality yeah. is you're already teaching yoga by coaching yeah. And that's the piece is like, that's yeah. what all the limbs are. You know, what you're talking about is also like the fourth limb is pranayama or pranayama and that's your breath control. And so what were you talking yeah. about that calmed you down in the asana practice? Oh, look at that's how yoga works. It's amazing. And so it's yoga is an ice bath. I always talk about yin yoga being exactly um, the same as an ice bath because you have to sit in your discomfort and you you find the breath and the appropriate breath. This is why I want to teach yoga teachers from a, a Western perspective because I've seen the scientific roots of what they were saying in the East. And we see things as like, you know, like chakras are these colored energetic balls of energy or wheels of energy in the body. And it's like, yes, but also no. Like if we look at it, the colors of the chakras were added in the 70s as cultural appropriation and a way to sell the chakras. Okay, so there's that. So back in the day, gurus or enlightened masters would, would see you and they would see their, your aura and they would see places in the body where there was more energy kind of going through. Number one, Shashumna Nadi. So this, this energetic channel in your body where all your energy moved through. They also called it Brahma Nadi because Brahma is the creator. So like when you look at that, that's actually your spinal cord. Because all okay. your energy goes through your spinal cord, yeah. barred Which is and directly. cranial nerves. And then, <laughs> and then at all of the seven main chakras, what we see are nerve plexuses. So if you go down into the base, your root chakra, muladhar, the, the one that's red that isn't actually red, but that's the densest color. So it does make sense. It's not like total bullshit. 
it does make sense when it was made up in the 70s the think about your own perineum have you got a bunch of nerves there yeah yeah okay number two up in the in the pelvic bowl well you have the sacral plexus in the in the back and they say at the base of your spine yeah they go up a little bit higher what's the next one the solar what solar plexus what plexus because mm. that's your digestive system your mesentery your mesentery is a, a bunch of where do you go next oh the the cardiac Heart. plexus your cervical plexus up here in the throat you know and then you have these major glands in the head like it's not bullshit none of this is bullshit which is what you know you are learning more and more when we talk and if i can also just like here's the microaggression language again yoga changed me if yoga changed anybody this world would be perfect you changed you and that's what we were talking about earlier how you can do yoga reality. you used yoga as a way to become spiritually awakened or drop the veil or know yourself better or realize that you're god like all of those parts but like yoga didn't do it you did by choosing to practice yoga just like choosing to take a fucking ice bath just like choosing to meditate instead of blaming time or something like that yeah right yeah yeah definitely resilience yeah. okay so i'm gonna go ahead and just list off i feel like a good place for us yes. to finish is me just too. for me to list off the main points of um building resilience or yeah building resilience is essentially what it is so mindset shift um cultivating a growth mindset to view your challenges as opportunities for learning and growth. Adaptability. Adaptability is like embrace change and be flexible in your approach to navigate unforeseen obstacles effectively. Yes. Positive outlook is maintaining your optimism and focusing on solutions rather than dwelling on your problems. We've got self-care. I mean... <laughs> prioritize your own physical and mental well-being to build the strength needed to face the challenges and that's so key mm -hmm. um setting goals and breaking down your larger goals into smaller manageable tasks so that you can make progress that is achievable and that you can see yeah having the priorities yeah uh, learn from your setbacks instead of keep doing them over and over again, <laughs> extract yep. lessons. That was really the personal responsibility talk, right? Like extract, yeah. extract lessons from failures, use them to step as stepping stones for improvement. Will Smith always says fail fast. Yep. Fail forward, fail forward. Um, seek support, which is why you want to coach a coach in many different areas. Just saying like, I have a physical coach. He helped me to reduce pain. Now he keeps me accountable. If I don't do my workout, I'm the one who suffers from that. If I lie in my coaching, um, like in my coaching app, I'm the only one who suffers from that, but he keeps me accountable. Mm -hmm. Having someone like Lynn or I to keep you accountable and keep you looking forward are going to be major things, but also building strong support networks to help you. Again, I'm going to say hire a coach because your friends aren't always going to, they're going to tell you what you want to hear. They're not going to tell you what you need to hear. Yes. <laughs> and they're going to tell you what they think you want to hear. And then also what they would do in a situation. Yes. 
which is completely different than what you need to do. Yes. yes. Uh, resilient thinking. We taught, I, I would say we spent a lot of time looking at this one specifically because it's about training your mind to bounce back from adversity and then fostering a mental toughness, but not on self. Yes. Just on moving through what needs to be done. With compassion. Yes. Um, also develop some problem solving skills. Yeah. So learning how to see the challenge and then develop some methods to then move through those challenges in healthy ways, ways <laughs> that are going to support you, not ways that are going to beat you up. Yep. And then time management is a, a big deal because a lot of people blame things on money and then time. And the yeah. reality is, it's like, I'll hear this. Like, I can't. It's like, no, you choose not to. Like, yeah. you have $1,000. You could either, you know, buy a new T-shirt. I don't know, <laughs> like a very expensive yeah. T-shirt. Or you could fix your car, right? You And some people would actually pick the shirt. So it's not like you need to get your car fixed. You actually choose to. So I, and I feel like we could actually. Time management is, is priorities as well, I think. Yes. Yes. That's it. Priorities. What's most important to you. And priorities in, in the task, it's like reducing stress and enhancing productivity. I'm reading a book right now, the seven um, habits of highly effective people. And uh, it's a, if, if anybody's looking like, hmm, what should I read? This is your sign right now to have a look at this book because it talks about actually kind of all of these things and time management, like recognizing like what's urgent, what is important, <laughs> and, yes. right? It was like a four square, but I just remember he was yes. talking about like some things are urgent, but not important. Yes. And what we'll do is we'll go to the urgent because of our mindset being like, ah, and the important stuff will not get done. And then we get more stressed out about it. Yeah. So yep. I think it's we can so always come back too and like talk about some of these things in deeper depth as well yeah. of how we do this. Cause these are all things that we both do. In our I lives. did a whole week in my life, like on my live Instagram lives, I have my 365 day challenge. I have made it to 200 and I think today is 25 days of every single day. This was my commitment to myself. Um, and I've made it to 225 days. And in a week of my content, I actually did it on time management. And I did, I believe I already read this book. Um, and that was where a lot of my information ended up coming from because he did, he had a whole chart of what's important and what's urgent, but what is urgent, but not important and what's urgent and important and a way to kind of chart it. So you can see where your tasks are actually needed. So I feel like that might be one of our upcoming podcasts yeah. will be my management for you guys. Cause it's a great place to start. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's a good place for us yeah. to stop for today. Thank you, everyone, for coming and listening to what we have to say. Thank you, Meredith. Mm, thank you. Okay. Thank you for joining us on this spirited journey today. We hope you enjoyed diving into the world of self-improvement with us. Two sisters who found their own unique paths. 
Remember, life is a tapestry of experiences and it's how we embrace them that makes all the difference. So whether you're on your yoga mat, exploring mindfulness or simply navigating life's twists and turns, always keep that spirit and sass alive. We are Kalin and Nerdy Lockoff and we're here to remind you that happiness and abundance are within reach. Stay connected with us on social media and keep those questions and stories coming. We love hearing from you. Until next time, beautiful souls, keep doing the work, keep sharing your experiences, and keep living a life that's authentically you. And never forget to add a little extra sass to your day. Spirit and sass, always. <laughs>